a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Boy, this is going to be a long trip to Madagascar, I'll tell you that. <laughs> With me, next to you, oh, my megaphone. Oh, man. It's coming up tomorrow, right, or something? Something like that. Um, boy, are we sure you want to do this? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could sit like on the opposite side of the airplane. Like, <laughs> I'll be on the opposite side of Madagascar. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in our program today, before we leave for Madagascar, uh, after yeah. our, you know, I was thinking so, we'll change it up, do something creative, like I don't know, buzzwords and email in the first segment. Yeah, and then uh, after that, we'll do. Uh, Your cr- creativity knows no bounds. That's right. Uh, if you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. Do I need to do work for that? You know what our, I do. You know our liner that says um, the game is just an excuse. Like that yes. game is just an excuse to sing Beyonce and no other reason. That's the only reason. Uh, translating evangelicalisms is coming up, and then after that, name that game game. So. You might not need to listen to this show. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. That's really handy because <laughs> I forgot that I didn't have to do any work, and still I don't. What are you talking about? You need to come up with some uh, what evangelicalisms, maybe? I don't know. You could contribute somehow. Don't you think no you way. should do some prep for this show? Nope. Okay. Well, let's then uh, go to the buzzwords. What buzzword do you have, Pastor Wolf Miller? Uh, oh, yeah. So I do have a buzzword, and my buzzword from the random Theopedia buzzword generator is Jesus Seminar. Ooh, okay. Uh The Jesus Seminar, quote, is a controversial research team of academic New Testament scholars founded in 1985 by the late Robert Funk. Oh, to have a last name like Funk. (sighs) Ah. Under these auspices of the Westar Institute, I thought that was what you pressed when you crashed in the car. The Westar Institute. <laughs> it, the it is on a relatively star, on star. Oh, <laughs> it's a relatively new corporate venture that attempts, by a process of discussion and voting, to arrive at the answer to two questions: What did Jesus really say, and what does Jesus really do? It's a continuation of the, quote, quest for the historical Jesus movement of the early 20th century. N.T. Wright says, people have been looking for Jesus for a long time, but never quite like this. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Their conclusions differ greatly from what Christian denominations have historically taught, namely that the Bible says something about Jesus. <laughs> That's my own editorial comment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. That is such and such, and this is that. They did something with uh, rocks. That's what I want to know about. 
Uh, they would. Oh yeah, here voting. This is how they vote. Um, marbles. I no. thought wasn't it marble like colored marbles. marbles or something? Following each debate. Now let's see. Following each debate, colored beads have been used to vote on the authenticity of Jesus' words and deeds. For example, red, Jesus undoubtedly said this or something very like it. Pink, Jesus probably said something like this. Gray, Jesus did not say this, but the ideas contained it are close to his. And black, Jesus didn't say it. See no. that? So you vote on it. No. Here's my... some, oh, look, I got some quotes. Here, here's a good one. Here's some Robert Funk. Oh, to have a name like Funk. You should have some more funky bumps for this thing. Here's some quotes from him. <laughs> Jesus did not ask us to believe his death was a blood sacrifice he was, uh, or that he was going to die for our sins. Jesus did not ask us to believe that he was the Messiah. He certainly never sh- uh, suggested that he was the second person of the Trinity. In fact, he rare- rarely referred to himself at all. Jesus did not call upon people to repent or fast or observe the Sabbath. He did not threaten with hell or promise heaven. Jesus did not ask us to believe that he would be raised from the dead. Jesus did not ask us to believe that he would be born of a virgin. Jesus did not regard the scripture as infallible or even inspired. She whiz. Okay, so my uh, theological buzzword will just fit right just really nicely with that. Yeah. And that is the word epistemology. <laughs> epistemology is the philosophical theory of knowledge. It involves views on how knowledge is obtained, what knowledge is, and what qualifies or does not qualify as genuine knowledge or, or truth. So I'm departing from uh, Theopedia now and saying that epistemology is basically asking the question, how do you know that to be true? So when, for example, someone says, oh, Jesus didn't want us to believe in the blood sacrifice, just ask the question, how do you know that to be true? Now, there's a a sub, I have a sub buzzword under that buzzword of epistemology. Yeah. And uh, I've never heard it called this before, but that is a scriptural ism. Everything's got to be an ism, doesn't it? Scripturalism is a theory of epistemology in which the scriptures and deductions from the scriptures are the foundations of all knowledge. This theory rejects the idea that induction and senses are able to give knowledge. Knowledge is often defined in scripturalism as justified true beliefs. Now, uh, I'm not exactly sure what all encompasses scripturalism, so I'll kind of make some qualifications. Um, we can say that uh, we can gain some knowledge about um, this world uh, as given to us through creation. So it's fine to observe things in microscopes and say, hey, I just learned something about uh, uh, plant cells or something like that because I looked at it through a microscope. That's fine. But the question is, how do we know things that uh, are unseen, the, the things about God, the, the spiritual? How do we know those things? And we cannot deduce those from looking through a telescope or a microscope or anything else. Those things we can only know from uh, God's revelation to us. And so um, I think it's, uh, again, a good question to ask the Jesus and our people. Uh, how do you know that those things uh, that are recorded in Scripture um, cannot uh, are not as they purport? What evidence do you have uh, other than just your inkling or your, you know, uh, it doesn't seem to match up according to me or whatever, uh, how that goes. Yes. I'm not sure how I know what you just said. <laughs> see what I did there? I see. Do you have any emails for us? Oh, dang. Yeah, here's one. Ah, this is from Mark. From, how do you say that place? Hi, Mark. Wakacha? Wakacha. Wakacha Wee. It says Wakacha Wee. Wisconsin, maybe? Oh, yeah, Wisconsin. <laughs> Wakacha. Sit around by the Wee. I don't know how we have all these international listeners. 
Waukesha does not sound like an American place. I know, all these Indian places. <laughs> Pastors Wolfmuller and Gigline. I've been listening to and enjoying your podcast lately. Normally, by the way, Mark, those two things don't go together. True. The more you listen, the less you enjoy. And likewise, <laughs> the more you enjoy, the, the less, less you listen. listen. <laughs> Maybe these people do things backwards in Waukesha. Anyway, I have a question which you may be able to help. Currently, I am a member of a Wells congregation, but through listening to shows on KFUO and your show and reading blogs by the conservative-slash-confessional side of the LCMS, I'm considering leaving the Wells and finding a traditional liturgical Orthodox LCMS parish that offers the Lord's Supper each week, provided I'm able to reconcile the differences on the office of the ministry. Given the large variance in practice within the LCMS, what questions should I ask when looking at different parishes? After serious consideration, I've ruled out asking the pastors if they prefer good beer or drink Miller products. Thanks, Mark. Well, actually, I think that would Waukesha, be a good question Wisconsin. to ask people. If you go, if you walk up to a pastor and he asks me, "Hey, what do you like to, uh, what kind of beer do you like to drink?" and he says, "You know, Budweiser," I would probably not go to that church. Yeah, I'm just saying. Suspicious of the St. Louis. Crowd. <laughs> yeah, typical for Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, like, um, uh, What's a t- what? What it's like they have a big brewery population in Fort Wayne, Indiana? <laughs> well, okay. Well, I mean, to to be kind of serious about, uh, I think I think maybe after the break we should address the office of the ministry thing to do this right. little favor for Mark. But but what questions? I think this is an important question. Um, and tell me what you think of this, Pastor. Uh, to ask the pastor, um, what? changes do you hope for in the future of this church and the reason i think that is because it may be that the 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 pastor has a particular practice in his own congregation that he himself is not content with but he knows that there is a time of teaching and patience that's involved and if the pastor says boy you know i'd really like to see this church practicing close communion in a couple years you might suffer with him and support him in that endeavor um, what if it, the pastor says, boy, I hope the preaching gets a lot better. <laughs> and you'd be asking who's on the call list. Um, <laughs> but if, on the other hand, uh, you know, there's certain practices in the church and the pastor doesn't seem to be troubled by these practices, then you can um, probably assume that the, that that's how it's going to be. And that's the practice he has determined for the church. Uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, gives the pastor the benefit of the doubt too. That's the if you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. I asked the question, "Hey, when's the next time you're going to have a book of Concord study?" <laughs> See how he reacts to that one. Yeah, there you go. Um, or you know, this is a, it is a tricky question because there are there's a kind of a division in the Lutheran churches, and there are those churches that are glad to be Lutheran and those churches that are slightly ashamed of it. And you want to find those churches that want to rejoice in their Lutheran identity. I think that's good. Now let's do take some time to talk about the office of the ministry after this break. Before we play the game, if you like it, then you better put the best instruction on it. You're listening to one, the only, Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? 
you'll probably have to settle for one. Does your church have a worship service? Then you'll love the Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music coming up in Seward, Nebraska this summer, July 28th through 31st. Uh, there's some good keynote speakers, including Dr. Kleinig, Paul Solak, and there's about a bajillion seminars and workshops and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, President Harrison's going to be there, the guys at Issues Etc., the other Lutheran radio show are going to be there. I'm going to be there hanging out. So if you want, you should come to this thing. So lcms.org slash events slash worship institute, and you can find it and register now. So uh, comfort, comfort you, my people, the 2014 Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music. That's a song the St. Louis grads sing about the Fort Wayne grads. <laughs> uh, Typical Fort Wayne grad. <laughs> All right, before the break, we were talking about the difference between uh, LCMS and Wells, that is the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Church. Uh, sorry, oh, yeah. Lutheran Synod. This is a LS. good radio, by the way. <laughs> Just you know, a little inside baseball, but no, this is this is good to discuss uh, the differences. What are the differences? Uh, well, there's uh, a handful of differences. We have like the prayer fellowship thing, like um, that Wisconsin uh, says that hey, uh, we should be in doctrinal agreement to uh, share in in prayer with with those. Uh, whereas we would identify doctrinal unity in participation in the Lord's Supper, but that, uh, in our view, would not extend to um, just a general prayer uh, with other Christians. Um, yep. The but but probably the the bigger difference is in the office of the ministry, as as Mark had uh, had pointed out. Now, if I could try and lay out the the differences, and Pastor, you can kind of clarify if I'm not uh, quite expressing it very clearly. The difference is. Uh, uh, who or, or what is is uh, going on in the office of the holy ministry, the holy office? And the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, has uh, stated and as as historically understood that the office of holy ministry is that uh, what pastors do in the in the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments, um, as seen, I think, um, in the confession and absolution, where the pastor says. In the stead and by the command of Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. Um, now, that is understood through the office of the keys, which the office of the keys is given to the church, but the church calls uh, uh, on, on the Lord mediates his call to the pastor uh, through a congregation so that the pastor is um, exercising those keys publicly on her behalf. Now, uh, the difference is that Wisconsin uh, Synod would see the office of the ministry extended um, not in the sense that only a pastor is exercising on behalf, but that the uh, Christians are exercising that um, in their vocation. So, like, for example, when a, uh, a, a Lutheran school teacher is teaching the children about God, well, that is an exercising of the office of the keys um, in the holy office as well. Is that a, a pretty fair distinction? I think so. Yeah, I, I've always said it something like this, so that Jesus, the Missouri Synod says that Jesus instituted the pastor, of the office of pastor, and the Wisconsin Synod says that Jesus instituted the functions of the pastoral office, and that the church has the freedom to sort out how to fill those functions. 
Is that what? Did you say the same thing as I just said? Sure. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's a difference. Is the pastor an invention of Jesus, or are just the jobs of the pastor the invention of Jesus? No, I got this challenge for you, Pastor Wolf Miller. Yes. Because there may be some listening and saying, just kind of sighing and saying, "What does it matter? Who cares?" Yeah. So now you, since you're the big conscience guru. Uh, how does that distinction make a difference on the conscience? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose it's, I mean, first of all, for the men that are in the pastoral office, to know that this thing is invented by Jesus and just we're just not making it up is kind of helpful. Mm-hmm. So uh, Luther especially talks about this, to having the confidence of the call so that we find confidence in our vocation and we can rejoice in that. And I also suppose then that it's comfort for those people who are um, learning from the pastor and listening to the pastor. Well, and, um, and I was th- thinking this that, is a thing from Jesus, right? That I, that when you're hearing that absolution, that this is something unique going on, uh, that that pastor uh, is being used as the m- the mouthpiece of Jesus to announce that my sins are forgiven, and uh, while it's still a good thing for a teacher to be teaching a kindergartner, that's something altogether different that's going on. And I think that that is uh, that does that does comfort the conscience to know that. Sounds good. Okay. Now, <laughs> I told you I don't know much about this thing. I was looking at this. I'm like, really? Are we going to sit and fight about this for 50 years? For heaven's sakes. Some people really love this fight about the Office of Ministry. Man, oh, man, they love it. Not me. I am not on the list of people that love to fight about this. Typical Where, Whoever keeps that list, <laughs> whoever keeps a list of people who love to fight about the Office of Ministry, just make sure I'm not on that list. <laughs> Okay, let's then um, go to, uh, if you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. Oh, 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 oh. What happened to the bump? I thought we were going to put, oh, 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 oh. I know. Oh, oh. You only play this so you can sing Beyonce. I, I know how this so, works. Now, the way that this thing, this game goes is that we look at something, something that somebody said. Mostly I found a bunch of pictures from Facebook. And <laughs> then we read it and we say, well, now, what's the best construction What's the worst construction and what's the most likely construction? Is that how to do it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's a what we call a meme, or what I prefer to say a meme. Mm-hmm. And this is from posted on the Table Talk Radio Facebook page at Facebook dot com slash. Oh, I'll give it to you in a minute. And it's uh, this picture says the fact is, dying to self is not ultimately about rules. It's about the right relationship with God. And that's from Ryan Dobson and his book, To Die For. So the fact is, dying to self is not about rules, but a right relationship about God. Is that right? Right relationship with God. Oh, with God. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, hmm. So the- All right. So you got three things. You want to put the best construction, the worst construction, and the probably correct assumption likely okay construction the so the oh man so the best construction let me start with the worst construction the worst right, construction right. <laughs> is uh and the worst construction is actually what the words say yeah, yeah. <laughs> well let okay let me first parse this okay so the fact that dying to self is not about rules um so the, what what this statement is working against is the idea that christianity Um, which is uh, sort of under the cliche here of dying to self. Or you might say discipleship, that comes up a lot. Uh, That Christianity is all about rules, about legalism. So we're not that. 
we are more about having a right relationship uh, with God. Okay, so the the worst const- well, let me how do I do this? The best construction is that um, that this gentleman wants to uh, avoid a legalism. A Christianity be understood as legalism that somehow following the rules is what gets you to heaven. Um, the worst construction is that this guy thinks that having a relationship about God, with God is uh, what Christianity is all about. <laughs> What do you think is the most likely? <laughs> Somewhere in between. Uh, I mean, I mean, part of the best construction is that um, he hasn't studied the Bible enough. <laughs> right, so, I mean, this is this is kind of what we talk about a lot. That that uh, the best construction is that someone is ignorant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in this sense, that's right. That if if only he knew what uh, Christianity was all about, and that is that it's not about rules, nor is it about a relationship with God, but it is about Jesus who dies for sinners who are by nature lawbreakers, who are by nature legalists, those who by nature are mystics. Jesus dies for all of these and announces his uh, good news of promise. So uh, I don't know. I think the, the likely construction is somewhere in between. Yeah. I think you're right. Nice, well, nicely done. All right, I got another one for you. Ready? All right, I'll try. Here's another Mimi. It's a picture from Facebook, and it has a guy kneeling down, and he, he, he's praying, and he says these words. Bless me with patience. Not opportunities to be patient. I've had plenty of those, and they don't seem to be working. The actual patience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, I can do this one. The best construction, this guy has a great sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's good. Um, the worst construction is that, um, uh, that someone who says this wants the benefits of the fruits of the spirit without the tribulation or the cross that would come with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is pretty explicit. So I want, I want what the, the, the fruit of the spirit, what the, what the Lord gives us, but, uh, on my own terms and nothing to do with God. So those are probably the two extremes. And I think the likely construction here is more towards the best construction. And that is that he has a sense of humor and realizes that uh, uh, th- there there is no other way to receive this patience other than the trials and and the tentatio and the struggle and the, and the, the uh, devil's temptations that come along with it. But, you know, he's, an, he's kind of announcing that by making this funny joke. Yeah, true enough. Here's another one. This is a good one. This is the piece. This is submitted by a listener in our Facebook page, and it says, this is the heterodox UCC congregation in my town, and it's a picture of their church sign, and it says this, join us starting Sunday, July 6th at 9 a.m., new fast-paced 30-minute church service. (laughs) Okay, new fast-paced church service. We're gonna do. We're gonna run that through this game. Uh, if you like it, then you better put the best construction on it after this commercial break here on Table Talk Radio, and then uh, in the next segment of the program, we're gonna be uh, doing some uh, translating evangelicalisms. So uh, stay tuned to this break. We're gonna be talking about this church sign, the new fast-paced thirty-minute church service that everybody's been wanting is now coming to a church near you. What's the best construction about that church sign, and what is the worst construction? We'll be talking about that right after this break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, 
the words wrong. What? Yeah, Beyonce doesn't know. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money, that we trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God throughout the world. Table Talk Radio is listener-supported. If you would like to help with the financial needs of Table Talk Radio, just click the Donate button on our website. TableTalkRadio.org. Hey world, we have a new fast-paced 30-minute church service you can come to. That's what's on the church sign at the UCC church oh, yeah. somewhere in the world. Um, so what? You gotta put the best instruction. If you like the, it, then you better put the best instruction <laughs> on it. Okay. Because I'm a sinful, uh, a man born with a sinful flesh, the worst construction is far easier. So I'm going to start with that. The worst construction right. is that church is boring and miserable. So we're going to make it as short as possible, so you can still get your check mark of coming to church. At least that's the appeal. Yeah. The best construction is that our saints have uh, have a lot they need to get done, and uh, we can shorten the time in which worship lasts so they can uh, go out and live in their godly vocations. <laughs> yep. How's that that's for right. our best I think and that's worst what it's construction? Going on. It's like, man, you have a lot of time. You've got a lot of loving of your neighbor to do. <laughs> so we don't want to interrupt all your good works. Your yep. life of sacrifice and devotion. I think that's probably right. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I think the likely construction is probably closer to the worst construction, and that is they know people don't like coming to church, so if we just make church uh, more likable, more people will come. And the thing in this case that's making church unlikable is that it's long, so if you shorten it, more people will come. Yeah. I guess that's true. I mean, it's funny that by some, the way, somehow we should put preference on the we should put preference on the best construction if we can. If we can, yeah. I mean, we're not called to put the best construction on something when it's just completely out of this world ridiculous. Sure, right. <laughs> but take something wrong and make it right. Somehow we've come up with the idea that church should be about an hour, and so um, I don't know what, why or where that came from, but uh, you know church goes over an hour 10 or something like that and it's like all right pastor you need to shorten up your sermon uh, remember though that uh the church historically has worshiped for several hours in fact you know when we're in madagascar we're not gonna have a chance to go to church are we i we're, think so we are Sunday okay good morning. because when i was there uh several years ago we went to a 6 a.m service and it was uh we left after two and a half hours and, and they still hadn't received the sacrament um, and uh, then there was a 10 o'clock service after that that we went to as well. So, uh, you know, this is this is sort of, an, an, at least from what I can tell, an American idea that, uh, hey, church needs to be uh, done in an hour. And in an hour, we're shortening it to a half hour. Uh, what's next? The 15-minute service? The 10-minute service? You know. 
All that. Yeah. Finally, we'll be to everyone's favorite service, the zero-minute service. <laughs> exactly. Just barely enough time to put your money in the offering. <laughs> By the way, have they moved the offering to before the sermon now at Hope Lutheran? Uh, I heard the elders no. were talking about that after uh, uh, you know, offering plummeted. Uh, the idea was, well, let's have it before the sermon. Maybe the offering will be... Is that oh, true? I get it. You're making fun of me. <laughs> That's pretty good. Not yet. Oh, I haven't made that change. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what kind of liturgical sort of thing. I'm like, wait a minute. What's he talking about? Oh, he's oh, mocking me. Mate. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, picking on a guy who's tired. <laughs> I got jet lag and we haven't even left yet. I wonder if I get tired enough before we leave if going to Madagascar I'll actually feel better. Yeah, you, you will. But work? then when you come back, you just die. So. You might not want to do that. <laughs> I was I was wondering if our traveling takes so long to get over there that you actually get your jet lag done halfway through, and then you're normal. By t- it's going to take us, what, three days to get to where we're going? I just can't Amazing wait to, to spend a night in Paris with you and Pastor Hole and <laughs> Professor Pless. That'll, oh, yeah. be, that'll be nice. That's a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so translating evangelical evangelicalisms, you know, there's something about this is the your... opposite of. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on <laughs> sort of. <laughs> this is sort an of. ungame. Yeah, undo what we just did. But but there's All something the about a, a a new culture that comes into play according to your beliefs, your re- your religion, your spiritual life. And so uh, your vocabulary is affected by this. And, and we, we try to do you the service of, of doing some translation work that maybe phrases or words that you don't understand. We're going to help you out with that. Um, so, Pastor, I, I'm going to... We should do th- a game called Translating Lutheranism. <laughs> that's what we do with buzzwords, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah, that's Theopedia-isms, right. I guess. We get it from Calvin. <laughs> from the Calvinists. We should pick our own someday. All right, but I'm going to... Okay, so I'm, you're going to do an evangelical thing, and then I say what it means in normal human language? That's right. And and then we, can, right. go, we can go back and forth if you have some, too. But the first one is, uh, let's have some fellowship time. You know, we're going to have some good fellowship. <laughs> some, you know, bowling yeah, fellowship. Right. Do some fellowshipping. Uh, this means... Fellowship is uh, is the evangelical way of saying hanging out. That's what it means. Hanging out. Okay. Here we go. Hang out. Now, is that so a... Probably you can only have fellowship with other Christians. So you can... Hanging out with other Christians. I don't think you can go and have fellowship with your pagan friends. Now, isn't that interesting? Friends. So, I mean, most evangelicals don't have a problem with, you know, you have to have doctrinal unity to come to the Lord's Supper, but if we're going to go bowling, you know, that's where we have to have some unity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, is, We have to fellowship. Is this a biblical fellowship. idea? No. Uh, the, uh, fellowship? fellowship in the scripture is is certainly a biblical idea, but it means to have something in common, namely our faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. So the the scriptures will talk First Corinthians about having fellowship with the body and blood of Jesus, for example. Um, they devoted themselves to the um, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the apostles' doctrine, and to prayers. Acts that's Acts two forty two ish, and so this always has to do with preaching and teaching. Ah, okay. All right, do you have one then? I do, man. Right here. Father God, it says. Oh, this is another Mimi. Remember the Mimis? Here it is. Father God, give me patience as you reveal your plan for my life to me. Help me to follow in the footsteps of where you are leading me to go. In Jesus' name, amen. 
There's a bunch in that <laughs> one. So the first is the Father God, which reminds me of another Mimi here, which says, this, I wonder if I could find this. It says, Father God, I just want a father. Say, Father, that I father. Oh, Father, I forgot where I was going with that, Father. <laughs> okay, so certainly nothing wrong with addressing God as Father, as we are told to do our Father. Uh, but somehow this phrase, Father God, has come in, uh, and it has become sort of the filler. <laughs> you know how some people say, um, or, uh, like we do on the radio, uh, when we're, uh, trying to think of, uh, something to say in prayer, some people have used Father God as their filler. So Father God, I was, uh, just, um, Father God, uh, coming before you to, um, uh, Father God, uh, you know, so, um, I don't know that. Yeah, it is. But anyway, uh, I think the rest of it was, uh, give me patience, say it again. Give me patience as you re- reveal your plan for my life to me. Reveal your plan. Oh, so this is the this idea. This is a huge okay. thing. Yes. Oh, this is huge. Um, oftentimes, when, uh, when we talk about God's will, um, oftentimes we want to go to the unknown, right? So what job am I going to have? Uh, what am I, where am I going to live? Who am I going to marry? You know, these are all things that are the, in the unknown. And certainly we could say in some sense that God has a particular, uh, will in mind for us in that. However, that is of his hidden will. It's not revealed to us. We don't know it. And, um, and he doesn't necessarily reveal it just by steadfast prayer or, or whatever. Uh, instead, what he has done is he's given us a uh, a brain, and he's given us sound reason and uh, look speak for yourself ability uh, of deduction, <laughs> and and also uh, in the things below he's given us a free will. So I can choose to be a plumber or an electrician or doctor or whatever. He's given us that those that free will. Where he has revealed his will, his will, his will, though, is in the holy scriptures. So he has said, um, "You shall not commit adultery." And so, if you have a spouse, you do not have the freedom. You do not have the uh, free will to go, um, you know, marry another wife or something like that. You are called. It is God's will that you be faithful to your to your wife. So we have to make make the distinction between God's revealed will and His hidden will. Yeah, this this idea that we can get a hold of the hidden will of God is, in fact, insulting to God. It looks like humility because we say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, and so give me the instructions. But what we're really saying, whenever we say that God, when we insist or even hope that God would reveal a specific plan for our future to us, is that his scripture is not sufficient and that we need something else. And so we're saying to the Lord, what you've given me in your word is not enough. I need something more. And that is a dangerous posture. But it is the so many people. This is the question that simply drives them is what is the Lord's will? As if the Lord has a has a map that tells them exactly where they're supposed to go. Now, the Lord maybe has that map, but he hasn't given it to you and he's not gonna. Mm-hmm. That, that is not what he does. He gives you the commandments. Right. And so there is um, a bit of uh, uh, faith and trust in the Lord that um, though he's given me a poor, miserable sinner, the free will to to choose this kind of uh, path for my life, whatever, however that plays out, he is still uh, with me. He has not left me or forsaken me because he has said so in his word. So I'm going to trust that even if I make the wrong decision or choose poorly, 
I still have the Lord by my side by his promise. That's right. So we have to stop asking the Lord to tell us secrets. And we have to l- listen to what he says that's not secret, and that's his, his scripture. Yeah, which is uh, revealed to us in his son. And that's what Hebrews tells us. So that we don't go to the Bible and say, okay, now uh, Psalms 30 has told me what, what job I'm going to get. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. That the, the scriptures reveal his son to us. And that's what we're talking about. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio after this. very own theological court gestures. This is Table Talk Radio. Don't worry, folks. Pastor Wolfman doesn't have... It isn't that he doesn't have rhythm. It's just that there's a delay between the two of us. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, we're going to do one more translating evangelicalisms before playing Name That Game. Game. And, um, Pastor, do you have one there you want to you bring up? Sure, sure. Here's the, this is along the same theme. It says this. This is another Mimi. It says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. Wherever you would call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. What does that even mean? And my faith, that, by the way, the, what does that even mean was me. I know. If you're wondering. Okay, back to the Mimi. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Hillside United. Hillside United sounds like a praise band slash soccer team. <laughs> Spirit, lead me where I can walk on water. And then he died. <laughs> that's right take me deeper than my feet could ever wander now look at if you're praying that the holy spirit would let you walk on the waters don't then pray that he would take you deeper than your feet <laughs> yeah. could wander that is a dangerously mixed metaphor <laughs> deadly why are you walking on the bottom of the ocean <laughs> walking on the waters you know you got to get out of the boat take me deeper I need you to read this all together one more time. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I can't comment on that? All right, let me start over. I can't help myself. Let me try to get all the way through. Okay. Spirit, lead me where there... (laughs) Goodness. All right, let me try again. I want to do it with the right emphasis, you know. I want to try to capture the, the spirit of the meme. Okay, here it goes. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Okay. Um, I'm having a hard time with the translation here. Um, I mean, this this has as its heart mysticism, right? And that, remember, when we talk about mysticism, we're talking about some side, some corner of the connection or presence with God that is unmediated, and in this case, that uh, our faith would be stronger if we were only in, in God's presence, in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. Um, now, when trust we talk... without borders, you know what? I'm not sure what that means, but it's like, well, I trust you r- mostly, 
<laughs> That's good kind of thing. Well, it, 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 I mean, I think what it's getting at is that uh, I want to trust in God, but there's sinful limitations to how much I can trust in God. So I, I'm asking the Spirit to lead me to this place where there is no limitation to the amount of trust I can have. And I suppose that would be like, I'll walk along with you as long as that walking is on dirt kind of things. Right. But as soon as we get to the edge of the river, I can't walk any further. And so the prayer is saying, hey, let me, once I get to the river, I'll just keep on walking with you. So I'll go and keep walking with you beyond how far I think I can go. Right, exactly. And and that, again, it has to uh, go into the realm of, of abstract metaphor, which is the realm of mysticism rather than, you know, I mean, because no one is literally walking on, on, trying to walk on water out there, you know. Um, so... So this is all um, intangible. Um, now, when we talk about the Spirit leading us, um, the way that the Spirit leads us is it, uh, in the Scriptures. So that the, the Scriptures would not be focused upon our trusting, our walking, our feet going deeper, or our putting ourselves in the presence of, of God. Rather, the, the scriptures are focused and fixed upon Jesus crucified for us. So it, it doesn't trouble itself with your inadequacies. It just calls you a damn sinner. Um, but it also says that you're a redeemed sinner. <laughs> you're forgiven. And it's through that uh, proclamation that is what the Spirit gives testimony to of Jesus and, and forgiveness one in him that we have a new creation that that doesn't that is our new creation is faultless it's just that our sinful nature still exists with faults and so this is why we continue to repent of our sins and receive absolution amen right, so i guess what i'm saying is that this uh little it sounds like a song stanza or something whatever it was it that might you read be. yeah um this has as its heart i am at I'm trying to uh, transform myself to be a better Christian. And that itself is um, not a concept that's taught in Scripture, but the Scriptures talk, talk about us being crucified with Christ and rising again. That's right. And that's what repentance, I mean, that's our everyday life, is this crucifixion and resurrection with Christ. Right. All right. All I'm right. ready for this next game, my favorite. All right. Oh, I should probably get that ready. Hmm. Okay, I have a clip about President Obama, and I also have a clip about the uh, anti-Washington Redskins uh, oh, yeah. issue. Which one Let's would you take like? up Obama first. Okay, here it is. But first, President Obama not backing down, sending a whole new message to the GOP. Good morning to you. I'm John Scott, and welcome. Thank you so much, John. Good to be with you. I'm Shannon Bream in today for Jenna Lee. The president blasting Republicans in Congress, charging they're, quote, doing nothing, as he vows he's going to help the middle class. This comes on the heels of the president's plans to use executive actions to go around Congress. The controversial move already sparking steps toward a legal challenge from House Speaker John Boehner. Now, the president seems to take it all one step further, issuing this challenge of sorts. Middle class families can't wait for Republicans in Congress to do stuff. So sue me. As long as they're doing nothing, I'm not going to apologize for trying to do something. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Act busy. That's the philosophy there. <laughs> hey, uh, they're not doing anything. At least we're doing something. 
What? That's the problem. That's the same problem I always have, is that whenever I'm lost, I don't like to actually stop driving. I like to keep going. And the result is <laughs> that I get farther and farther away from where I should be. And it would, in fact, be better for me to do nothing than to keep on doing the wrong thing. Uh, and who, by the way, says, didn't our government used to be part-time? They would show up, you know, every few months and say, everything good? Yeah, everything's good here. And they'd go back home and raise tobacco. That's what we need to get is some more government folks that have farms and stuff, real things to do. But they don't, so they say, we got to make more laws. Right. I, I, I always thought Congress should have some sessions just like a month. This month, we're going to devote ourselves to repealing laws we don't really need. That's right. Yeah. Extra. Like we need more laws. I mean, I, you know, every time something bad happens, this is a bit of a political rant. I wonder if I could put the best construction on this thing. <laughs> I, by the way, think that's what game we're playing. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. Is that true? Uh, I think you, you render your guess before I tell you. So oh, why don't okay. you go ahead and do that, and then I'll tell you if you're right. I render my guess. No, is I mean, I... Ex- ex- if that's what you think we're playing, then explain the best construction. Oh, way. dang. I don't know. I guess the best construction is, I maybe that's the best construction, is um, you, we want to look busy so that the people don't think they're wasting their money by having us running around to this place governing. And the best construction would be that the, that any action is better than no action, which is, of course, patently false. Uh, but that would probably be the best construction on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, worst construction? Oh, boy. Let's just skip that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. We are oh, not man. playing. We're actually playing Ten Commandments in the news. Ah, uh, shoot. I didn't even get it close. So, so now you should well, do Ten Commandments. Okay, so there's some Fourth Commandment. That's where the government is instituted. Uh, Eighth Commandment, that's where suing the president comes from, (laughs) the establishment of courts. And the problem is, I don't know what other commandments are talking about, because I don't, in fact, know what in the world President Obama is talking about doing, helping the middle class. You know, the middle class is is breaking the Seventh Commandment. Ooh, this is interesting. Because to segregate people based on their income... Is a is a sin against the seventh commandment, and probably also against ninth and tenth commandments. The scripture never makes such a distinction of a class that's determined by your income. That's ungodly, by the way. Okay. Now I think it's I think there's a bit of irony in that he's accusing um, a Congress of doing nothing. So I'm going to do something, and you can sue me about it. Well, wouldn't that actually work against the? I mean, so now they have to take this. Now they have to stop and and sue the president of the United States because he's doing things against the Constitution. And now yeah. we couldn't. Have, I mean, it's further away from the goal that President Obama wants. So it Which sounds like everybody saying, doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, the challenge of saying "Hey, sue me" is even further away from doing something. Uh, now we're just suing each other. Yes, that's right. And now we would like to be doing things, but we have to be busy suing you because you're doing illegal things. <laughs> right. I, yeah, think of, think about that uh, principle in any other matter of life. Like, well, 
yeah, I stole bread from the grocery store, but at least I'm doing something and not doing nothing. I, I, I'm not yeah, sure that right. that quite fits. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> is that? Yeah, if the thing that you're doing is illegal that you need <laughs> suing for, then it certainly does not qualify as the better than doing nothing. Yeah, like we we should commend him. Well, at least he's doing something illegal and not doing nothing. I mean, I kind of <laughs> think right. the person doing nothing illegal is a bit more virtuous. When than you the do something, something illegal, illegal, they put you in jail to make sure that you in fact are doing nothing. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the epistemology classes that you get in jail. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Nice. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.